Well, good morning. Today we're going to continue in our series through the Ten Commandments, and we're coming to one that I think almost everyone knows and honestly probably doesn't need too much of an explanation, and they've got it up on the screen behind me. And as you look at it, you'll see a couple of things. One, it's very short. It's only two words. You're probably very thankful for Bible translators, as am I right now, right? Um, But it basically means this. It means don't murder, right? The Sixth Commandment is just that. It's you shall not murder. You can find it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up there. It's a short commandment. We've probably all got it memorized now that we've heard it once, but I want us to be able to see it in the context with the other commandments as well. And out of the 10, that this is probably one commandment that I think we would all agree is still pretty much universally agreed upon. Every, every culture, every nation, pretty much from the beginning of history from, from this point until now has agreed that it is a good idea that we should not murder one another. And our understanding of murder would have been the same as theirs back then. It would have been the taking of an innocent life in an impermissible way. It does not say don't kill. It says thou shalt not murder. The taking of an innocent life in an impermissible way. And if you've studied the Bible much, you, you know that this commandment was given to the people of God in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, as they were on their way from, from generations of slavery in Egypt. God has delivered them. He's freed them. And now they're moving forward to the promised land that God had said he was going to give them, right? And, and as he gives them these commandments, right, they meet God at Mount Sinai on their way to the land that God had promised to give them, and God gives them these commandments. He lays it out for them so that they can do two things. One, draw close to God and live deeply and intimately in fellowship with him, and then two, so they can live with one another in a way that brings glory and honor to God as well, right? Their following of these would draw them close to God and point the world around them to him as well. Right, so you know that happens now, and, and the book of Exodus is they're moving towards the promised land, but you probably also know that as they got to the promised land, there, there were battles that happened, and the people of Israel went up against other people in the promised land and, and took the lives of those that would seek to attack them and battle. And so it's important for us to distinguish just right at the outset that they did not break this commandment. There's a, a Bible commentator, a great scholar, he puts it like this. He says they did not break this commandment because their goal was not the destruction of life, but the preservation of life. And that's still true today. I think we see in a lot of cases the preservation of life. Sometimes it's necessary to take a life in order to save a life. So the sixth commandment is where we're at. You shall not murder. And as we begin to unpack it this morning, we're going to see that it boils down to one main thing. If you're taking notes, I'll give you the end of the sermon right here up front. And it's simply this, God values life. When we read, you shall not murder, we see that God values life. And I bet that, that you would agree with that statement. And to understand why God values life, why he values my life and your life and, and every other life, we're going to walk through the Bible, starting at the very first chapter of the very first book in Genesis. So if you're in Exodus, flip back one book to the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. Verse 27, and it's a verse that that all of us need to be familiar with and wrestle with so that we can understand who we are and how we're created in the image of God. That's what it says, Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. As we walk through the Bible, 
we see that God values life, number one, because people are created in the image of God. Every one of us is created in the image of God. And here's the incredible thing. As you really read Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and you see how God created people, you see that, that, that God made people, he made man and women with his own hands. Different than anything else in creation. When God created the earth, he spoke. When God created dry land, he said, let there be dry land, let there be light, let there be trees and fish and animals and all that stuff. And when it came to people, the Bible says that God used his hands and formed us different than anything else he created. And after he formed man and woman, God, the, the Bible says that God breathed his own breath into us to give us life, right? Nothing else in all of creation was created the way that people, you and I, were created. It's in his image. And because of that, in humans, in people, we can look around and see characteristics of God that aren't in any other created being. We see the ability to reason. We see the, this moral compass that comes from God. We see love and relationships. We see creativity and community and so many other things that are a part of us because of how God created us in his image. That's true of every person that we will ever meet. People from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation, every background, all of us were made in the image of God. And the, and the incredible thing is this, as we continue to flip through God's word, we see that that creation of a life, God to us, happens before we're even born. Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14 says this, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it so well. We need to remember that we're created in the image of God. And, and knowing that helps us also understand, number two, that, that people are valued by God. As we continue to work our way through Scripture, you're, you're in Genesis chapter 1. Now look over at Genesis chapter 9. It's in Genesis chapter 9 that God makes this covenant with Noah. And, and he's talking to Noah, and he says, Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by, his, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man, how? In his own image. If you've got the ESV study Bible, and if you're looking for a Bible that will help you take notes, help you understand things from God's Word as you read it, I can't recommend the ESV study Bible enough. It's a great Bible, but, but if you look down there, if you've got it, there's a note at the bottom of this verse in Genesis chapter 9, and it's so good to help us understand it. It says this, human life is to be so highly valued that it is protected by a system of punishment because God made man in his own image. And to murder another human being is to murder what is most like God. And it's an attack on God himself. Right? Human life is valuable to God. So valuable so that, that God says if it's taken unlawfully, that the person that does it must lose their life as well. And, and there's not a higher price that anyone could possibly pay than that, right? God affirms a high value on each and every one of our lives. Everyone that will step foot on planet Earth, everyone that we come in contact with, our lives are valued by God. And as we trace this throughout the Bible, flip all the way forward now to the New Testament, and, and this is obviously not an exhaustive list. We, we could stop at every chapter and every book of the Bible along the way to see how valuable each and every one of us are to God. But as we get in the New Testament, we see something incredible, and it's that not only are we valued by God, we see, number three, that the people are loved by God. 
One of the most famous verses we'll read in all of Scripture is John 3, 16. It's quoted a lot. It's put on billboards a lot. A lot of us might know it. It's this. It says, for God so loved the world. Right? And when it says world there, we're not talking about rocks and trees and the planet that we're standing on. We're talking about the people that live on the world, the people that are created in the image of God. So reading it that way, it says, for God so loved every person because they're made in his image that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life, right? God loves our lives so much that he sacrificed his son to save the lives of people that are created in his image. If you've ever wondered how loved you are by God, that's it right here. If you've ever wondered if you matter, here's, here's your answer. If there's ever been a doubt in your mind as to whether or not your life had any value at all, if it was worth it for you to continue to live, listen, I pray that you're encouraged knowing that God loves you so much. He sent his son for you. You matter to God. You are loved by God. And, and all through the Bible, right, we, we see this over and over and over that God values life. And so as he's lining out these 10 commandments that he's given on the mountaintop in the stone tablet to Moses so that they would know how to live and how to act with one another, it's so incredibly natural that God would say, I value life so much. You're not to take the life of another in the wrong way. Right? And, and as we read this, if you've still got your Bible open, we've jumped around a lot. But, but if you look in Exodus chapter 20 and you read all of these different commands, all the ones that are on there, it, it's entirely possible. And, and in fact, I would say it's probable that you would look at these and say, all right, out of all 10 of these, number six, that's the one I got. Right? That is the one that is easiest for me to keep. Do not murder. And in fact, I, I was standing right over here before the first service and somebody said, hey, what, what commandment are we on today? And I said, you shall not murder. And she said, oh, that's an easy one. I've got that one down. I've been married 45 years and I haven't killed him yet, right? I'm good to go. And you might be reading this thinking, okay, I got it, right? I'm, I'm not going to do that. I've been tempted once on 45 a couple years ago, you know, driving down the road. But since then, right, I haven't had any struggles or issues with this commandment at all. And I get it. It's probably not a major struggle for a lot of us with our hands and with the, the ways that we would act. But we need to remember something. When Jesus taught on the Ten Commandments, when Jesus taught specifically on this commandment, yeah, Jesus affirmed the physical actions that are here saying that, that we should not do that, but, but he had something else to say about it as well. If your Bible's still open, flip to Matthew chapter 5. And it's in Matthew chapter 5, you see Jesus teaching, and, and a lot of times we call this sermon that he's giving in Matthew 5 the Sermon on the Mount. And it, it, it's, it's an incredible teaching, and, and Jesus aims directly at our hearts and, and talks about how everything flows from what is going on inside of us. And I don't want to oversimplify it. I just want to read it. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21, Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, that those of old people that he's talking about are the people from Exodus chapter 20 that got the Ten Commandments from God, right? So you've heard that it was said to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai in the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone that is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. 
So if you are offering your gift at the altar, so Jesus continues there, and he says if, if you're in a place of worship, that's what altering, offering your gift at the altar is. He says if you're in a place of worship and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave. Leave the place of worship. Leave the altar and go make things right with your brother and then come back and resume your act of worship before God. Listen, when, when Jesus teaches here on the Ten Commandments, when he teaches on the commandment of thou shalt not murder, he says you should not murder. You should not take the life of another. And then he says, listen, it, it goes deep down into our hearts. We shouldn't even carry anger around in our hearts. Jesus says that we shouldn't live in anger towards other people that are made in the image of God. He says that we shouldn't carry around this burden of anger or frustration, if we want to use a lesser word. We shouldn't carry that around to, to people that are loved by God, to people that Jesus himself came to save. And so as we look at this commandment through the lens of Jesus' teaching on it, we see that, that he wants us to view people and treat people, every person, every life, the way that he would treat them. It's so much so that if we're in a place of worship, and we realize there's conflict between us and another person that, that we need to leave. And we need to get it right and then come back to our time of worship before God, right? That This commandment went from being really easy, never killed anyone, to, to probably a hard check for a lot of us. Because I, I think that all of us have experienced anger towards someone else. I think that all of us at, at some point have insulted another person made in the image of God. Right, and me too. Right, this hit home for me several years ago. Uh, Chelsea and I, we lived next door to someone that, that honestly, uh, man, we, did, we just did not get along with this guy. This guy treated us incredibly poorly. Uh, the things that he said, the things that he did were offensive. They were hurtful. They were harmful. And, and not just to us, but to everybody up and down the street. He, he was abrasive to, to everyone. Um, and, and he had this reputation. When we moved in, people told us, about him, and, and his reputation proved true. It, it was very easy for us not to like him. It was very easy for us to, to avoid him, for us to get inside quick and to shut the door so that we did not have to have interactions with him. You might have somebody in your life that you would say is, is a fairly similar kind of thing. And, and one weekend, I was getting ready to teach a group of students, and the text that was assigned that weekend was Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan, talking about how we're supposed to treat one another. And Jesus says, listen, above all else, love God. And then the second thing that you guys have to do, and we've got to get right, is love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I realized that I was about to teach a group of people, and, and I, I did not like. I was angry and unloving towards my, my literal neighbor, the person that lived next door to me. And, and God used his word this morning to say, my heart shouldn't be like that. My heart shouldn't act that way towards another person created in the image of God. And so I, uh, I, was, I, was, I was humbled and convicted as I read it, and I knew that I had to make things right, and so I, I did. And I started to try my best to make things right. Chelsea and I both, we, we tried to become good neighbors and loving neighbors. We tried to serve him well and treat him well and do things for him. And, and let me just say that it was not uh, reciprocated. That, that it was not super well received, and, and he continued to live the way that he was going to live and treat us the way that he was going to treat us, and we just have to know that that's okay, right? Because he is a guy that was created in the image of God, and as followers of Jesus, right, we, we learn to value him because he's created in the image of God, and, and I would guess that all of us, 
Maybe not our literal neighbors, but all of us probably have people in our lives that are hard to love, right? People that that might bother us, people that have offended us, people that have wronged us, people that believe different than us. Listen, they're, they're there. They're in our lives. They're in our neighborhoods. They're in our schools, in our classrooms. They're in our offices. Uh, they're on our teams. They, they just seem to find us on social media, right? That They just come out, right? And I hope this morning that we're seeing that God's word teaches us that he values their lives just as much as he values our lives. And that as followers of Jesus, we should value their lives too by loving them and treating them the way that God loves them and the way that God treats them, right? So the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, it's much more than just our hands. It drills down into our hearts as well. And as we think about this, knowing that this whole thing, you shall not murder, is because God values life. It brings us to a place where we think, okay, I got it. I I understand now that God values life. I understand that God created every one of us in his image. What do I do about that? And and I think that that as we look at this and think about how to wrestle with this and live it out, there's an infinite number of applications. But I think that, that we can sum it up with just a couple this morning. And if we would allow God to work these into our hearts, he'd change the way that we live and the way that we interact with the world around us. And and the first one is this, thinking about how we can value life the way God values life, it's this. Number one, we can search our hearts. We search our hearts. That's where Jesus starts. And so I think that's where we need to start as well. And, And the simple question is this, going off what Jesus said in Matthew 5, is do you have anger in your heart towards anyone else this morning? If the answer to that is yes, then God's word teaches us that we need to get it right. Right, if there's a problem with a family member or a friend, Maybe there's conflict with, with you and someone else in our church family. Whatever's going on, I mean, God's word says that, that we need to get it right, that we need to search our hearts and, and, and find that place of forgiveness and reconciliation. And, and if God is bringing someone to your mind right now that, that you have anger towards or, or something like that, don't, don't push it away. Right? If God's bringing a name or a family member or a person into your mind and into your heart, don't, don't explain it away. Don't ignore it. Don't say, well, it's their fault. I'll let them come apologize to me. Don't say they started it. Don't say it's all in them. Don't do that. Right? Let's do what God's word has to say this morning, and, and let's take the first step going to them to get things right, right. Let's search our hearts and begin to view people and think about people and treat people the way that God has called us to do it. The second thing that we can do to value life is this, is we can stand for life, right? We can stand for life. Sometimes all it takes for us to break this commandment is to do nothing, right? God values life. Sometimes all we have to do to break this commandment is do nothing at all. As followers of Jesus, when we see attacks on the lives of people, or we see lives in jeopardy, or we see lives being marginalized, God's word tells us here that we have to be people of action. When it's popular and when it's not popular, we have to stand in defense of life. Listen, the culture that we live in has normalized death through through media, through movies, through games, through the news, and our culture, and I'm not just talking about America, I'm talking about the world that we live in today, has sought to normalize things like abortion has sought to normalize things like like assisted suicide. And and I'm just telling you, as followers of Jesus, God's word calls us here to value life by taking a stand for life. And and there's so many different ways that this works itself out and how we live. And, And an obvious way that we can do that is standing for life at the beginning of life. 
We can and we must pray and intercede on behalf of babies and the womb, and we must pray for women and families who feel like they have no other choice when they face tough situations. We can stand for life by supporting pro-life causes, by supporting our pregnancy centers, and, and as a church, we can and pray for those, can and should and must pray for those who have thought about or those who have sought abortions. I just need to tell you that, that we have a very active pro-life ministry at our church that helps people, that cares for babies, that takes care of ladies that feel like they have no other choice. And the stories coming out of that ministry the last couple of weeks are absolutely amazing, where God has stepped in as, as members of the church family have stood for life and have loved people well. It, it's been incredible to see that the ministry and the impact on the lives of families and on the lives of women. And let me just tell you that, that, that God loves and values every life, the life of babies, the life of dads, and the life of moms. And I just want to say, if, if you found yourself in that impossible situation, and you've made a choice there that, that you regret that, that God still loves and values your life, that God desires that relationship with you, that God wants to, to bring you deeply and intimately and closely in a love relationship with him. Listen, as a church family, we can stand for life at the beginning of life, but, but not just there. It cannot stop there. We have to stand for life throughout the entire life of a child, through adoption, through foster care, through supporting families that adopt and families that embrace foster care. And I'm so thankful for so many in our church family that do just that. We have many in our church family who have opened their doors and their homes and their families and their lives to people that needed a family and a place to live. Several years ago, I was preaching at our Champions Campus and we, we finished the service and I, I walked down the left side and I got two or three steps away from the platform and a police officer walked over to me with his arm very firmly around uh, a young man, a, a teenage boy, and he said, hey, we need to talk. And I said, I, listen, I'm not involved. I was on the stage. There were cameras. You can go back and watch, right? Whatever's going on, I, I wasn't a part of it. And he said, no, you don't understand. We need to talk. So I said, okay. And we stepped back into to the office and we had a moment. And he said, hey, listen, so this kid, he, he's essentially homeless. He has nowhere to go. We finally picked him up, and I'm taking him downtown. He's going to be checked into the system. He's going to get swept away, and, and, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen to him, but I know that that's my job, and that's what I have to do, and I hate it. And as he was in the backseat of my car, he was crying, and he was pleading, and you know what he said to me? He said, take me to my church. My church will take care of me. And the police officer looked at me and said, is that true? Are you guys going to take care of him? I said, yes, sir, leave him with me. We, we got him. And the officer left, and, and then I looked at this kid, and I said, what are we going to do now? And uh, he sort of laughed and said, I don't know. And I, I truly didn't know. I, I don't know the rules. I don't know the law. I, I don't know what the next step is. And so we, again, we've got this amazing ministry at our church, right, a, a foster care ministry. And I called him. I said, hey, this is what happened. I don't know what to do. And they said, we'll be right there. And, and within two hours, there was a family at our church that showed up and said, this kid is now in our family. He, he's a part of us. We're bringing him into our home. He, he's going to live with us. He's going to finish high school with us. We're going to launch him into college through our family. Why did they do that? And how were they able to do that? And when two hours of hearing about it, it's because they know that God values life. And they made a decision 
is they studied God's word that, that God values life, so they were going to value life. God treats people well, so they were going to be treating people well. They were going to take a stand, even when it was tough, even when it was uncomfortable, even it was, was a little bit crazy to the people around them. They said, we're going to stand for life, and we're going to take care of this kid, and, and they did. And here's the deal, right? The, the opportunities that we have to stand for life, the opportunities that we have to help people that are in crisis, that, to have, that we can help people in need, listen, that they're unplanned. Right? We don't get to strategize around them. We don't get to set our schedules up around them. They, they just happen. And if we've made a, a decision in our hearts that God values life so we will value life, we're going to be people of action as well, ready to stand in the gap when people created in the image of God need Christians to help them. And listen, standing for life doesn't end right there. It's not just a childhood thing. It's not just a thing with kids. As followers of Jesus, man, standing for life, it means caring for the poor. It means caring for the elderly, caring for the, the sick, for those that are in danger, for those that are being taken advantage of. Listen, every life is valued by God. And if it's valued by us as well, we will stand up for people when they can't stand for themselves. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable, but it's the heart of God, and we see it right here in his word. And, and then third, the last thing that we can do in response to, to God's word and the fact that God values life, right? We, we know that we've got to get our hearts right. We know that we're called to stand for life, and this final thing is, is we're called to share life, right? We were made in the image of God for a reason, and that's to be in a relationship with God. When you look back at the beginning in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you see that Adam and Eve, they were created to know God. And they enjoyed fellowship with God. They walked with God. They talked with God. They were designed to know him. But there came this moment in their life where, where they sinned. They chose what they wanted over God's best for them. And in doing that, they were separated from God. And the Bible teaches that me, that you, that, that every other person that they lived would end up doing that same thing. That we would choose us over God and, and thus be separated from God. But, but the incredible thing is this, and, and hopefully you've seen this morning already how much God values life. He values it so much that he was willing to send his son Jesus to fix that problem of sin that separates us from God. And the Bible tells us that when we trust in Jesus and put our faith in him, that sin is gone and we have eternal life forever in heaven with a God that loves us so incredibly much. And I would say this morning, and if you're thinking about life and you're wondering about your life and if you matter, if you don't matter, or where you're at, and you learn today that God loves you enough to invite you into a relationship with him, that God loves you enough, he wants you in heaven with him, I would say if you have never done that, if you have never trusted in Jesus, don't leave here this morning without talking to me without talking to one of our pastors so that we can open up God's word with you and show you how to take that step as well. And if you have trusted in Jesus, if you have eternal life in him because you've placed your faith and your trust in him, the number one way we can show that we value life the way that God values life is that we can share life with the people around us, that we can share Jesus with those that God brings into our lives. I read a study this week. And, and it pulled Christians about their willingness to tell other people about the life they have in Christ. And, and about 50% of the Christians in this poll said, we just feel like it's wrong to share our belief, our faith, with people that don't believe the same thing as us, even if they're close family or friends. And that same poll identified that everybody answering that had, on average, four people in their family or four close relationships. I'm not talking about acquaintances here. I'm talking about like close, deep relationships with, with four people 
that didn't believe in Jesus. And as, as I read that study, thinking about what, what God's word has to say to us this morning about God valuing life, just this question popped into my head thinking, how can we say we value life when we're not willing to tell people how they can have eternal life in Christ? Romans 10, 14 says, how are people going to believe in a God that they've never heard of? Right? We, we live where we live. We work where we work. We go to school where we go to school. We're in the family that we're in, our, our friends or our friends, all of this right, is for a reason. As followers of Jesus, right, if we have life because of him, and let, let's respond to God's word this morning by sharing that life with the world around us. Let's value our friends. Let's value our family. Let's value our relationships so much that we can't help but share the good news of Jesus with the world around us. Right, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. And it reminds us that God values life. And if we're going to live that out, let's search our hearts. Let's stand for life everywhere we can. And let's be willing to share the good news of Jesus with the world around us. Would you pray with me? And as we just take a moment to pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want you to think about what God's calling you to do this morning. Our, our hope and our prayer is that every time we encounter the Word of God, we respond in obedience to what God is asking of us. So maybe this morning you're sitting there thinking, okay, you know what? I've been carrying some anger around towards a person or someone in my family, and, and today is the day that I'm going to get that right. If that's, if that's you this morning, just confess that before God and commit right now to not holding on to that anger. But realizing that the person that there's that friction with was created in the image of God, and we're called to love them the way that God loves them. Maybe this morning you're saying, you know what, I have the, the ability, I have the tools, I have the resources. God is calling me to stand against injustices that I've seen, injustices that I know are going on. I'm going to support those that are standing against it. Whatever God is calling you to do in that arena, let's do it. Let's be people of action. And, and maybe this morning it's simply committing to ourselves that we believe and affirm God's word is true. And so when the time arises, we will stand for life. And then maybe this morning, man, prayerfully, hopefully this morning, every one of us that's a follower of Jesus would understand that the best way we can value the people around us is to share the life that we have in Jesus with a world that desperately needs it. Let's commit to doing that, to being people that love lives created in the image of God so much that we want them to experience a relationship with Christ. And this morning, if that's you, you'd say, you know what, I need that relationship with Christ right after our service. And in the back on the left-hand side, there's a door open. There's a little cross right above it. We've got prayer partners in there. We've got pastors in there. We'd love for you to pop in and say, hey, you know what, I need to know Jesus. And we'll open the Bible with you right then, right there, and show you what that means and how you can trust in him. This morning, if you'd say you've got anger in your heart and you want to pray with someone about that, you want to talk to someone, or if you're struggling with anything else or just the circumstances of, of this world and you need prayer, the back of the room on the left-hand side, there's a door right on your way out. We would love to pray with you this morning. Meet us there. God, we love you and we trust you. We thank you for your incredible love for us. And God, I pray that, that we would live lives showing 
that we believe that you value life and that we would value life the way that you value life. And God, I just pray that, that as we do that, we would be a blessing to the world around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with me this morning?